Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Turn with me in the Bible. How many have a Bible today? I'll bet you all have a Bible. Come on. You have to all have a Bible. Don't you all have a cell phone? Come on. If you have a cell phone, you have a Bible. If, if you have a cell phone, you have a Bible. You can just Google one right now. You can pull an app up. If you have a cell phone, you have a Bible. All right. I want to talk to you today about, um, we're continuing on this sonship series, if you will. I have no idea what to call it as far as the series go, but I really, really believe that it is a message for this hour, for the church, our church, the church, and this whole idea of knowing that we're sons of God. Romans 8 says that creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, the revealing, the revealing of the sons. What does that revealing look like? What happens when sons are revealed? The father's revealed. When sons are revealed, how many know the father's revealed? Um, What will or what does that revealing look like? I'm not sure that I understand all the ramifications of that scripture, that verse. But I do think that you and I are called to manifest or to reveal the father to the world. How do we do that? I think there's many ways. All right. There's many ways that we do it. I can tell you that much of that will come as you and I operate according to the principles of God's kingdom and not the kingdoms of this world. Because how many know our father is not of this world? And therefore his sons are not of this world. When Jesus walked the face of the earth as the son of God, he was constantly revealing the father. He was a manifestation of a son. He would hear from the father. He would talk with the father. He would reveal him. If you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. If you heard him, you heard the Father. His works were the Father's works. His words were the Father's words. And this is because he was constantly communicating with the Father. He would pray to him. He would hear from him. Let me ask you a question this morning. What was the last prayer of Jesus? Yeah, you guys are good. You know, if you actually Google that, they'll go to John 17. They'll actually go to John 17 as the last prayer where he prays for unity of the brothers and believers and so forth and so on. But the actual last request of his father came on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The last thing that the son asked of the father before dying on the cross was to forgive his torturers, to forgive his killers, to forgive his persecutors, to forgive those who whipped him, beat him, and nailed him to a cross. I, you know, I don't know about you guys. I'm just not certain that would have been my last prayer request. Mine might have went like this. Father, kill them. <laughs> Father, Destroy them. Annihilate them. How many might have prayed that? <laughs> I love being full of a, a house where nobody has a carnal thought. I'm going to tell you right now, I know that some of you would have prayed that. I know that some of you would have prayed that because I have heard some of your responses to each other. Oh, <laughs> okay. The last thing he did was ask his father to forgive them. Can you imagine having been one of his persecutors? 
having beaten him, just finished beating him, having just nailed him to a cross, and you're standing there and you hear him say, forgive him. Wouldn't that be kind of heavy? I don't know. I think so. You see, and I'm going to talk about that very subject this morning. It hit me this week, and I had a couple conversations, and I had one yesterday, that one of the ways that you and I, as sons of God, are going to manifest or reveal the Father in this world is when you and I operate in the principle of forgiveness. And it's going to get really, really quiet in here. All right, let me talk to you about forgiveness for just a moment. I was reading something in the Huffington Post. There was some studies done. That there are eight things that they were talking about that actually have an impact on your life when you forgive. All right, they said that forgiving unconditionally means a longer lifespan. How many of you want to live longer? Forgive. All right. It, it, um, according to a, a study in the journal Behavior Medicine, it says that Um, people who can only forgive if others say sorry first or promise not to do the transgression again may be more likely to die earlier compared with people who are less likely to practice conditional forgiveness. How many know that you can unconditionally forgive somebody? That somebody doesn't have to say they're sorry for you to forgive them. Saul never told David he was sorry for what he did. Died that way. And David forgave him. It gets you out of the angry mode. All right? Not forgiving someone is associated with more anger, arousal, sadness, and feelings of not being in control, according to a 2001 study in the Journal of Psychological Science. Okay? That people who held onto a grudge, they had higher physiological activity, facial muscle tension, heart rate, blood pressure, and sweating compared with when they forgive. I mean, forgiveness is good for your body. It helps your health across the board, even including your sleep. A 2005 uh, study in the journal of behavior medicine said that forgiveness is associated with a whole range of health measures, including medications taken, sleep quality, and fatigue. You can take less medicines, you can sleep better, and have more energy if you'll forgive. Man, this is sounding good, right? We didn't even get to the spiritual stuff yet. All right. It talks about how you can, it makes amends to help you forgive yourself. When you're the one who needs forgiveness, making amends with the person you wronged can better help you to forgive yourself, Baylor University researchers found. Okay? Uh, Another one is, your heart will thank you. It's good for your heart because forgiveness has been shown in research to have effects on lowering blood pressure. A 2011 study of married couples in the journal Personal Relationships, for instance, showed that when the victim in the situation forgave the other person both experience a decrease in blood pressure. Some of you might not need those pills today. It could have immune system benefits. Research presented at a 2011 meeting of the Society of Behavioral Medicine showed that people with HIV who practiced genuine forgiveness towards someone who hurt them had higher CD4 cell percentages than others who didn't. Two more. It can strengthen your relationship with your spouse after infidelity. The couple and family psychology research and practice studies showed that forgiveness trumped time, relationship satisfaction, and commitment in overcoming the hurt from infidelity. You forgive that person. Being a forgiving person could protect against long-term stress. 
Having the trait of forgiveness independently predicts positive mental and physical health, according to a recent study in the Journal of Health Psychology conducted by researchers from Luther College, that it reduces stress in your life. Bottom line is, if you don't want to do it from a spiritual perspective today, I'm just telling you, it's healthier for you to forgive somebody. How many want to just have better health? Forgive. Now, let me talk to you a little bit, though, from the Bible, what the Bible says, okay? Now, let me remind you about sonship. The only way that we become sons of God is through confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? That coming to Jesus through faith. We're then saved by grace. And when we're saved by grace, the Bible says that we're forgiven of our sins by our Father. Aren't you glad you're a forgiven son? You're a forgiven son. And then we're given the Spirit of God to live inside of us. All right? And we are the forgiven sons adopted into the family of God. If we are forgiven sons adopted into the family, then one of the highest priorities of our lives must be that we are not just forgiven sons, but that we are forgiving sons. I like being a forgiven son. Sometimes I don't know if I like being a forgiving son. All right? So let's take a look at this today. This is the title. The title is called Forgiving Sons. Okay? We're going to take a look at what Jesus said about forgiving. We're going to take a look at a few things about Paul. And then we're going to take a look at an Old Testament example of this. All right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, the Lord's Prayer. Part of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said this. When you pray... Part of what you should pray is, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. All right, so in other words, he's saying, listen, forgive, we're we're praying to the Father, forgive us, just as we're forgiving our debtors. How many know that, we're going to talk about this for a moment, that forgiveness in the scripture is actually a principle of sowing and reaping? You can't get away from it. All right, Jesus commanded when you pray, The prayer we pray is, Father, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Okay? Now, I want you to go with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. In verse 21, it says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often should, how, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said, I don't say, I do not say to you up to seven times, but seven times seven. 70 times 7. Like, how many of you know that's 490 times? Like, let's just, let's just do the math for a moment. I don't want to forgive you 490 times. I don't want to forgive you one time. How many know Jesus really wasn't saying 490, though? He wasn't saying when you get to 491, you get to kill him. Okay? What he was saying was it's on and on and on and on and on and on. Because how many know, first of all, forgiveness is not a one-time deal? You've got to choose to forgive over and over. You know why? Because when you remember that offense, you have to say, no, 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 no. I have forgiven that person. I have chosen to forgive. I forgave yesterday. I'm going to forgive today. And I'm going to forgive tomorrow. All right? So Jesus looks at him and says this. Now, in one of the gospel writers, they responded to Jesus like this when they heard 70 times 7. This is what they said. Increase our faith. <laughs> I can't do this. I don't want to do this. My natural man can't do this. You better increase my faith to be able to do it. So watch this. So Jesus goes on to tell a story. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle them, one who sowed 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, the Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had in repayment be made. 
So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. All right? So look at this. Let's take a look at this and see what we can unwrap here for just a moment. The Bible says that this guy owed a debt he could not pay, and he was going to get thrown into jail, but the king then had compassion upon him. The scripture says that the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him from the debt. All right? Think about this for a moment. Let me give you one other scripture with that. Verse 32. Then he summoned him. He said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Now let's stop here and think about this for a moment. There's a couple things I want you to see. First of all, the king gave forgiveness because it was compassion that compelled him to do so. Do you understand this morning that sometimes in your life, in my life, if we're going to be like God, it's going to be compassion that causes you to forgive somebody. It's going to be compassion for their lost state. Compassion. You, you have to view some people in your life who have wronged you. You have got to view them through the eyes of compassion that comes from Christ. If you can't view them through the eyes of Christ, what they do to you will cause bitterness, it will cause resentment, and it will cause anger. But if you can see them through the compassion of Christ, all of a sudden, there's something that rises up inside of you that enables you to forgive that person. Compassion was the catalyst for forgiveness. Forgiveness, as shown by this king, is releasing someone from a debt. It's releasing someone from your prison. This man received forgiveness from the master. But watch what happens. So he, so he goes out. He leaves the presence. But that slave went out, found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. He owed 10,000. This one owes 100. He owed 100 denarii. And he seized him. And he began to choke him. And he said, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you. But he was unwilling, and he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. Isn't this amazing that this man was in the presence of the king? He received forgiveness for 10,000 denarii, went out and found his friend who owed him 100, choked him, threw him in jail. In the presence of the king, he received forgiveness. But he went out, and he sowed unforgiveness. He received forgiveness and went out and sowed unforgiveness. Unforget, watch what the king says to him. The king says, you wicked servant. Listen to me this morning. Unforgiveness from a forgiven son is an act of wickedness. Y'all looking at me like I got 14 heads this morning. I'm going to say this again, and I want you to hear this. Unforgiveness towards a brother from a forgiven son is an act of wickedness. The king who is, a, who is God in this portion of scripture, looks at him and says, you're acting wickedly. It is an act of wickedness not to forgive by a believer. And none of you believe me this morning. You're saying, well, well you're calling me wicked? Yes. Yes, because that's what the Bible says. The forgiveness, let's just watch this. You see, because the standard of forgiveness is not your neighbor. The standard of forgiveness is not the person sitting next to you. The standard of forgiveness is nobody in the face of this earth. The standard of forgiveness was the king. The standard of forgiveness was the father. The father's forgiveness for sons is the standard of forgiveness between sons. The reason that you forgive horizontally is because you have been forgiven vertically. If you're receiving it down, you better give it out. 
right? The forgiveness of the Father, because listen to me, it is the forgiveness of the Father that becomes the seed from which you offer the fruit of forgiveness to others. The forgiveness of God is a seed planted in me by which I offer forgiveness to somebody else. Fruit grows from that. All right? Unforgiveness unforgiveness from a forgiven son is an act of wickedness. The forgiveness from the king is a standard. The forgiveness of the father is a standard of forgiveness between the son. What does unforgiveness cause? In that context, it causes anger in the king. It causes anger in the father. How many of you want to make God angry this morning? Walk in unforgiveness. All right? Because, now watch what happens. Watch what happens. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to the Lord all that happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? In the same way that I had mercy on you. And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay. Watch this now. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. This is hard stuff, isn't it? Like, I mean, it messes with your grudges, doesn't it? It, must, it messes with that offense you've been holding against somebody, doesn't it? I mean, you might have to go out here and forgive your brother. You might have to forgive a mother. You might have to forgive a father today. You might have to forgive a pastor today. Not me, of course. I, I might have to forgive some of you. Nah. You, you might have to forgive a child today. You might have to forgive a coworker today. I mean, if we're going to actually be sons of God, manifested in this world, we may actually have to operate in forgiveness. And some of you will lose those frown lines. You'll come in next week and I'll say, did you get a facelift? So now I got a forgiveness lift. <laughs> I'm so weird. Oh, yeah, now you wake up over there. Joni Miles, Joni Miles finally wakes up and says amen. But watch this. My heavenly Father will do the same. Listen to me. If you sow forgiveness, you will reap forgiveness. You, if you sow it, you will reap it from the Father. If you sow it, I believe you even reap it on earth. If you sow unforgiveness, you will reap unforgiveness. Why? Why, why is seemingly is God so hard on this? Because the Father loves your brother as much as he does you. Remember, we're talking. We're talking fathers, sons, and brothers. No father wants his children to live in division and offense towards each other. No authentic, good father wants his children living in division with each other. No father in his right mind wants that to happen. You are grieving the heart of your father when you won't forgive your brother. The father cannot bless wickedness that exists in the heart of the unforgiving son. He just can't. He just can't. You know, and so Jesus tells this parable. It's, it's kind of hard. Multiple times in Scripture, he talks about, watch the next one, verse 15 of chapter 6. 
For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Again, we already mentioned verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Understand this this morning. Forgiveness is a sowing and reaping principle. If you won't sow it, you're not reaping it. And some of you today, I'm going to say this very boldly, you are reaping unforgiveness because you have sown unforgiveness. And you know what you do when you do that? It's just simple. You repent. You just repent. Let me give you a couple words that Paul said quickly. Paul said, therefore, as God's chosen people, chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. All right? What's what Paul says? Paul says you put on kindness, humility. How many tell you it takes humility to forgive somebody? Why? Because they've wronged you. They've violated your rights. They offended you. They did something to you. It's my right. How many know it was humility that caused Jesus to go to the cross so you could get forgiveness? Gentleness. Patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If you have a grievance, forgive as you've been forgiven. All of this that Paul's saying to put on is the character of God. Forgiveness flows from the character of the Father living in the sons through the Spirit of God. You know, today's Pentecost Sunday. I'm not doing a Pentecost Sunday sermon, but I'm going to tell you something. If you think you can forgive without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're sadly mistaken. We often talk about Pentecost because it's the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon human flesh. But listen to me this morning. That power is as much to be as it is to do, and you need to forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit because it's not a natural thing. Now, let me show you what it looks like, and I'll be done because, like, I can just tell this morning that this is like, I don't like this message, Pastor. But let me tell you what I say to my kids sometimes. Suck it up, buttercup. All right? Because listen to me this morning. Do you want to be sons of God? Do you want to be a manifestation of the Father in this hour? Then you better learn how to forgive. I better learn how to forgive. The world needs to see God the Father through your forgiveness. And I don't care how you slice it, and I don't care how you justify it. You can't justify your unforgiveness if you're a son of God this morning. So I want to take you to an Old Testament story to kind of show you what we just talked about that Paul was talking about. It's in Genesis chapter 50. Now, you know the story. Many of you know the story of Joseph. Let me give it to you in a snapshot. All right. Joseph was one of the sons of Israel. All right. Joseph had these dreams of greatness that one day his brothers would bow down to him. How many know that'll cause you to hate your brother? Right. And they hated that dream and they hated the brother. And they took the brother one day and they, they, they were going to kill him. Man, they were literally going to kill him, but they ended up not killing him. They put him in a cistern so they decided what to do with him. And then they sold him as a slave who then sold him into Egypt. And he's in Egypt. He works for a man named Potiphar. Potiphar's house was blessed because of him. Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of raping her or trying to rape her. He ends up in prison, falsely accused. He goes into prison. He's forgotten there. To all of a sudden, one day, because he interprets the dreams of Pharaoh, he becomes second in charge of all of Egypt. And then the famine hit the land where the brothers have been living. 
And the brothers show up, and they come to Egypt looking for food. And they go to appear before their brother, whom they don't recognize. But he recognized them. How many of you might have been salivating at that point? How many of you might have been drooling a little bit? <laughs> Suckers. Here they come. You sold me. You were going to kill me. You put me in a cistern. I ended up in a prison. I ended up a slave. I am going to get you back. This is going to be so good. Have you ever entertained yourself with these thoughts? Oh, you lie, lie, lie. Don't tell me you have never had a moment of thinking how sweet revenge might be to somebody. Yeah, and then you had to act like you were saved. So watch what happens. So now he, we fast forward. The sons are living in Egypt, the best part of Egypt. The father's there. The father dies, okay? How many know that daddy's dead and the brothers are left with the brother? Now watch this. Go with me, verse 15. Verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Listen to me. How many know they were lying? They were scheming. All right? These guys are really something, okay? They, 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 father never said this. But they're like, we're going to die because daddy's dead. The buffer has been removed. We're going to die. What's Joseph's response? The Bible says he wept. The Bible said he wept when they spoke to him. Now watch this. Then they came and fell down. Verse 19. I'll show it to you on the screen. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for am I in God's place? Am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. In verse 21, so therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Wow. Wow. I still might have been tempted to kill him. He's telling you. Let me give you a couple of points and I'll be done. Like about six of them. First thing. When you won't forgive, you're playing God. Unforgiveness is playing God. You are saying you're not worthy to be forgiven. You are passing a judgment and a sentence upon that person. It says, I'm God. And you don't deserve to be forgiven. Watch what Joseph said. Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in God's place? Am I God? Okay, let me ask you a question. Here it comes. Who died and left you God? When you won't forgive your brother, you are planked in place of God. You're saying you're not worthy of it. You don't deserve it. You don't get it. You're taking the place of God. But when you forgive, you are being like God. I'd rather be like God than play God. You're being like him. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They beat me. They whipped me. They put a crown of thorns on my head. They've nailed me to a cross. They pierced me. 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why did the son say that? Because he was being like the father. He was being like the father. Unforgiveness is you playing God. Forgiveness is you being like God. He goes on and he says, says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He said, the result is preserving lives. Forgiveness preserves life. Unforgiveness takes life. You want to give life to somebody? Forgive them. I'm just telling you. When you forgive your brother who offended you, who did something to you, you are literally breathing life into them. When you forgive them, you're breathing into their family. David, David, he was wronged by Saul. Saul tried to kill him. He chased him. He ran him down. He treated him like a dog. At the end of his life, Saul dies still in that same condition. When David becomes king, he said, is there anybody left from Saul's house that I can be kind to? That I can, and he brought Mephibosheth in and said, you will eat at my table the rest of your life. He breathed life into him. You're breathing life into somebody. But listen to me for a moment. Just as much as you're breathing life into that person, you're breathing life into your own family. You're teaching and you're modeling your sons and your daughters, your children. You're teaching them and you're modeling and you're breathing life into them. Forgiveness. He says, don't be afraid. Forgiveness removes fear. Some people are walking through this world waiting and wondering when that person's going to get revenge. Hmm? But what about if you're the offended party and you're the one who needs to forgive and you look at that person and you say, I forgive you. I forgive you. They're never waiting for that moment. They're not walking in fear of that moment. Forgiveness removes the fear of reprisal. It removes the fear of revenge. It removes the fear of vengeance. It removes the uncertainty of it. Forgiveness removes fear. Unforgiveness promotes fear. Joseph says, and I'm going to provide for you. Okay, it's one thing to forgive him. It's another thing to provide for him. Like, it's one thing you say, okay, I'm not going to kill you. But I ain't feeding you. He's not provide for you because you know why? Forgiveness blesses and unforgiveness curses. It's one thing to say, I forgive you. It's another thing to say, and let me bless you on top of it. Because how many know the blessing is proof of the forgiveness? Remember, I, years ago, I did something on forgiveness, and I asked you a question. How do you know? How do you know that you truly have forgiven somebody. How do you know? I mean, you said it, you know it. You keep saying, but I have forgiven him, but I have forgiven him. How do you really know when the rubber meets the road? Is when you become like Joseph. When in a moment you have the power to inflict pain and revenge, and you don't do it. Joseph could have killed them, and nobody would have said a word. Pharaoh wouldn't have cared. He had the power to do it. And he said, no, the next time you have the power to pick up a rock and throw it at that person and you don't do it, you'll say, you know what? I have forgiven them. I have forgiven them. You're just waiting for me to throw this at somebody, aren't you? (laughs) 
but, but Peter, I want you to know, you have to forgive me. <laughs> it, it blesses. Unforgiveness curses. Forgiveness comforts the offender. Oh, man, think about this. I don't want to comfort you. I want you to be in agony. I, want you to, I don't want you to be comforted. The Bible says that Joseph comforted his brothers. He comforts them. Hmm. Forgiveness spoke kindly to the offender. I don't want to speak kindly to you. I want to tell you what a jerk you are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I would watch my dad in business. My dad would have people who owed him thousands and thousands of dollars. I knew one guy that owed my dad $10,000. Never paid him, never paid him, never paid him, never paid him. My dad would see him in public. He would treat him like he was his best friend. I wanted to smack him. Not dad, the guy. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Forgiveness speaks kindly. Now watch this. Some of you would say, but here's the deal. Joseph was tricked into doing this because they lied and said, this is what the father wants you to do. Okay. So what? So what? So what? Because I want to tell you about forgiveness. Forgiveness is for the sake of the father. Why would I not want to choose to forgive you for my father? What's wrong with him forgiving his brothers for the sake of his father's wishes? Even, if he didn't know it was a, even though he didn't know it was a lie. And he thought it was truth. And he says, I'm going to forgive my brothers on my father's behalf. Shouldn't the heart of the father be the catalyst for forgiving the brothers? Hmm? Why shouldn't the heart of the father be a primary concern for us? The heart of the father should be our primary concern. The heart of the Father should be our primary concern. Forgiveness of the brothers is for the sake of the Father. The motivations of the sons should be the heart of the Father. The motivation of the sons should be our ability to please the heart of the Father. Listen to me. Sonship must involve the forgiveness between brothers. If we don't forgive our brothers, we're not sons. If we don't forgive our brothers... We can't be sons. You see, because look at this. Forgiveness promotes the plan of God. But unforgiveness opposes the plan of God. Had Joseph walked in a spirit of unforgiveness and he killed his brothers, how many know God's plan would have been opposed? God's plan was to save the nation of Israel through Joseph. And if he was going to save the nation of Israel through Joseph, Joseph was going to have to forgive his brothers. And how many know that God still has a plan to save lives? And some of those lives might be impacted by your forgiveness. Forgiveness disempowers the enemy. Unforgiveness empowers the enemy. What am I saying this morning? I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear. Today, how many would declare yourself to be a son of God?
Okay, the rest of you can get saved right now. Then put my hand up. I put my hand up. He's going to tell me I have to forgive. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. You're his image. You're his representation. You've been adopted into the family. You've been forgiven by the Father. And yet, for some reason, we stop walking in that very forgiveness that he's given us. And we don't extend it this way. And we feel justified somehow. Somehow we rationalize it. And all the while we're rationalizing it, we're opposing the very plan of God. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you point blank. My spirit, my, my natural man, my carnal man, I don't want to forgive. There's some people I just assume punch in the face. I'm just telling you. I already hit you. Don't make me do it again. You don't know, I, I've been some places and I've, I, there's some people I just assume punch in the face. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one in here this morning that needs this? Am I the only one this morning that's ever had a problem with somebody? Am I the only one in this house this morning that's ever had to forgive somebody or be forgiven? And yet the first place it has got to operate is inside the walls of the church. Like the bottom line is, and this is not, listen to me, and what I'm going to say has no response to anything that's going on in this house. I'm just telling you I know human nature. And I know that some of you don't like some of you in this building. And some of you haven't forgiven some of you in this building. And you're grieving the heart of your father. And yet we want to show him to the world. Come on, church. See, sons are forgiven by the Father. But sons are those forgiving for the Father. The biggest mistake you will make is if you make this forgiveness thing all about you. Because if it's all about you, you're not going to want to do it. But when I do it for my father, that puts a whole nother spin on it. When I do it for my father, for the sake of my father, why, why should I forgive you? Because my father wants me to. quiet in here today. It's quiet in here today, folks. I either that or I'm just flat out boring. Don't you say amen. Then I have to work on forgiving you. I can't, I can't say I won't throw something again. God wants to reveal his sons in this hour. And I'm telling you that one of the greatest ways he's going to do it is through the principle of forgiveness. When somebody sees you, come on, Troy. When somebody sees you and they know that you've been wronged and they know that you've been offended and they know that you've been hurt and they know that you technically have a right to maybe hold on to a grudge or bitterness or get revenge and you don't do it. They've just seen the Father. 
They've just seen the Father. They've just seen Him. And I'm going to say to you this morning, you can't do this in your flesh. You cannot do this in your natural ability. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate Pentecost Sunday for the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you about the power of the Holy Spirit for just a moment. It's more than just prophesying and speaking in tongues. I fixed it. (laughs) It's not just the power of the Holy Spirit for speaking in tongues and interpreting or prophesying or healing or discernment or wisdom. All those are great. Praise God. But it's also the power of God that creates love. The power of the Holy Spirit inside of you that causes you to love, to have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And might I add one to it? Forgiveness. Because in my natural self, I don't want to do it. But thank God He's the one working inside of me. Thank God He's the one that's working in me and molding me and shaping me and causing me to put down that garbage and getting rid of anger and getting rid of bitterness. So that now I will not play the part of God in unforgiving, but rather I can be like God and forgive somebody. So Father, this morning, Father, this morning, this is a house that's going to take joy when people get saved. But we're going to be a house of forgiveness as well. Brothers, forgiving brothers. Sisters, forgiving sisters. Father, we want to be people who sow forgiveness so we can reap forgiveness. It's a biblical principle. Why would I not want to sow and reap? But Father, may we catch the spirit of the Son, your Son. May we catch the spirit of a Joseph who even though he was lied to, had a goal. And that goal was to please the heart of his Father. And in pleasing the heart of his Father... He forgave his brothers. He blessed his brothers. He provided for them. He removed fear from their life. He comforted them. He released them from a debt that they owed to him. Father, I pray today that the sons in this house would catch the heart of the Father. That we would catch the heart of the Father. And when we operate in this spiritual principle when we operate in this godly principle we may even see a physical component come to our bodies because then we're working out of wholeness we're working in wholeness Gremlins in the house. Hey, I'm working again. 
Father, I forgive the gremlins in the house. Come on, stand up with me. Just bow your head with me for a moment. Not going to do an altar call. I just want you to take a moment with me. And I want you to do a little reflection. And I want that reflection to be who has wronged me? You know. And some of you, let me say something to you. Some of you, you haven't been wronged. Okay? You haven't been wronged. You just picked up an offense. You were never wronged. A perception of a wrong is not a wrong. And so I pray this morning that you would take an inventory and say, what is seriously, what is a serious wrong in my life and what is one that's not a wrong that I have been carrying as being wronged? And then secondly, I would say to you that we do an inventory and we do a reflection. And Father, have I forgiven them? Have I forgiven? Have I sown forgiveness? Have I sown it from my heart? If I haven't, help me do it. Help me by your spirit. Be like you. Help me by your spirit. Please your heart by giving forgiveness to a brother, to a sister, to a mother, to a father, to a friend. Just take a moment right now with your head bowed and reflect. Now, Father, I pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would help your sons, would help your sons to become the forgiving sons of a forgiving Father. In Jesus' name, amen.